Good morning. Anybody there? Good morning. Hi, Adra. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Wonderful to meet you. I'm great. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm really excited to be here. Of course, it's really exciting to get to talk to you today, but I wanted to see if we could start at the beginning and get a sense of where you're from. Can you tell me about growing up, what what that was like, and uh, what led you to the creative pursuit? Well, I grew up in small town Iowa, and I've circled around a little bit, and I've come back. So I'm living now where I grew up, in the house I grew up, which is interesting. I've always been interested in reading and writing and stories of all forms. My mother tells me that when I was two years old, I carried to her a pen and paper and had her write down my story that I have. I just wanted to tell a story and I wanted to have it written down, make a little book. And um, apparently it was a story about a poor family who only had beans to eat. And so I'm like, oh, you know what? My stories have always been dark and depressing just from the get go. But um, kudos to my mother because she always kept books in the house and made books seem like the gems that they are. You know, it always made it special. She signed us up for a book of the month club. I think I was like three years old and was getting books in the mail. And it was always such a fun thing to look forward to. And she always was, she knew they were coming on the day, you know, when they were coming. And she'd have us go to the mailbox. And me and my sister, I have a sister who's three years older. And, um, that was a big thing. We'd always go to our local library and we could check out as many books as we could hold, which was fun. So I'd get a whole stack up to my chin and precariously walk out of the library with those. And she read to us since we were infants and probably read to us when we were in the womb. And so um, stories were always precious to me. And um, her father, my grandfather, was also in the oral tradition of storytelling. He's from that era. He was born in the late you know, 19 teens, over a hundred years ago. And um, I remember him gathering us at his feet and um, telling us these fantastical stories. And when I think about them now, and I only remember a couple of them, unfortunately, they were terrifying. They're kind of like (laughs) when you read Grimm's fairy tales now as an adult and how absolutely terrifying those stories could be but they were also fascinating and kids just loved those things we ate them up and they were just fascinating and the way he told stories he was slow he would just he had this down you know i tend to be a nervous fast talker (laughs) and even in my readings i tend to like blow through my stories and you know i feel like did anybody actually hear anything but oh he was so good at storytelling he knew where to pause and he knew how to heighten the dramatic tension and um, so that I think was integral to me as well, those two things together. And my sister was a big reader, so she always read to me as well. Hmm. Um, I, I remember being in the bathtub and um, she read me the whole Oz series over, I don't know, a year or two probably, just being in the bathtub, I'd soak and she would read me the stories. And I didn't become a reader till a little later in life. I don't know. I had a lot of energy. I still do. <laughs> and so, um, I was always outside running around, but I think I was gathering material as well. And um, then I started writing stories for our Barbies to act out. You know, we had this whole soap opera. We had this whole room devoted to Barbies. And uh, 
and their dramas, and they always were the same characters. I don't know if other people play with Barbies like this, but they're we gave them a name and character, and that was it for years. That they, they had were. their motivation, they had their character development, and yeah, yeah, it was so much fun. And so we wrote plays for them, and 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 fun things like that. And then I just started getting into writing stories at school and winning competitions. And I, I can't say it was real stiff competition being in rural Iowa. <laughs> you know, there wasn't a whole lot of other writers out there. So, um, you know, it wasn't like a lot of people were doing what I was doing. Um, going to writers conference, that was key. We used to have a, I don't know if they still have it, um, for young writers, a young writers conference. Oh wow! I remember going in fourth grade and it was at a local college and to me i i was like oh something stirred inside of me i'm like oh other people i got to meet real writers mm. and we they talked to us as if we were adults and you know they they weren't talking down to us they were just talking about how to craft stories and i lived for that event it came once a year and eventually they had to let other people go because I went so much, you know, and like, okay, there's a couple of people we should probably let attend this. But um, that was important to me as well to know, to meet other writers at that time in my life, to know that people do this and take it seriously. Because even though my mother and my father, you know, they, they knew entertainment was stories were important. I don't think they really thought writing was going to be a viable thing for me to do mm. or i don't know i don't know i don't know if they just didn't take me seriously but i was like i'm gonna do this and especially being in iowa i found out about the university of iowa writers workshop i think i was in eighth grade when i found out about them i don't know why i was so late into knowing but then i was like oh, they're so close <laughs> i lived an hour away from iowa city yeah so the excitement was building here you know and then i also found a best friend who was also a, a reader and um, I remember going to her house and her mother had a treasure trove of romance novels. <laughs> and so um, we had free access to those and the, those were wonderful. Those were great. So this is everything I'm taking in and um, I'm kind of jumping around in this. Story. No, this is, this is great. Yeah. Then a teacher, and this is always important as well um, to find a teacher that encourages a person, a writer, a young writer. So I found her, when I was in ninth grade, I think it was her first year teaching at my small school, Mrs. Veach. I still am in contact with her today. Mm. Um, she always read my stories, whether they were class assignments or not. Of course, I was writing all the time anyway. And she also treated me like an adult. And like the first time I saw those red pen markups on my story, I was like so offended. You know, I'm like, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> yeah. This is speech. I don't know if I like you anymore. But, you know, she was teaching me and showing me. And so I would improve in those areas. And um, I still have a letter she wrote to me. I think I was about ready to graduate and wanted to be a romance writer. Mm. And she's like, don't, don't lose this. Uh, so many people have these passions and then they lose them, whether to life or whatever the passion goes out or people talk you out of it, mm -hmm. whatever money, you need money. And so she's like, just, just don't lose this. You have something special. And so I held on to that. So I um, went to the university of Iowa as an undergrad. And back then they didn't have, um, I think now they have an undergraduate writers program, 
maybe connected with the writers workshop, but not the writers, not the graduate program. But, mm -hmm. but back then they didn't, they just had the English department. And so, but I wanted to go there just to be around the writer's workshop, just to rub elbows and just be in that environment. <laughs> and it was fire, you know, it was, it was the best place to be. And, um, however, unfortunately I was the, um, proverbial girl off the farm, fresh off the farm. So I was very excited to be up there and attending classes, but I was kind of a little more into the social aspect of college, which a lot of people do, but mm -hmm. I was just so insulated, you know, here on the farm in Iowa mm -hmm. that I hadn't experienced things and people and culture. And so I kind of went off on that path, exploring everything that I could there, but also getting, you know, story information you know sure. i used to be i used to be of the camp that i had to do things because i then you i had would to know experience how. life yeah too. had experience <laughs> so i could write about <laughs> that's not necessarily true i don't recommend doing everything just so you could write about it <laughs> but so you know people are like oh i bet you learned so much i'm like you know i probably had the opportunity to learn a lot but I didn't as much as I should have. And I would love to go back now at the age yeah. I am now, go back to school and, and soak it all up. But just to be around the writer's workshop was great. And the best thing that happened to me, am I rambling too much? No, no, I actually, I was just going to comment on something r real quick because it's so interesting and I hadn't thought about it. This uh, feeling that you're coming out into the world and you have a plan that is so well thought out like a dream you're fulfilling that dream you're you're following that goal but then you're almost caught off guard by the adult world the real world having just yeah. kind of like a buffet of experience at that age is is almost disorienting and i just truly empathize with that because i come from a very small town and when i went to college it wasn't even a big city or anything but it was like i got this other stuff to experience but i'm sorry to cut you off that was just a really no. great yeah yeah that's exactly what it was it was just like a whole it's like the wizard of oz going from the gray <laughs> world into this color technicolor it was yeah. just foods and people and it was amazing i loved it i loved every bit of it oh so um the writer's workshop this is yeah. before they were in their die house that they have a house now that they've been but here they were in the what we call the epb english philosophy building mm. they were on a certain floor and one day I got lost looking for my class, you know, first day of classes. And I opened up this door and it was like the door to Narnia. <laughs> it was apparently hooked onto the writer's workshop and it was a closet. And on it were all the shelves of stories that I guess the graduate students were writing. Mm. This is before you could share things on computers and internet. So they actually manually printed out their stories, copies, and they put them on these shelves, apparently. And this is where other classmates would come in and they'd gather their stories to read for the week. Well, I feel ashamed, but I had to do some pilfering. Because <laughs> I'm like, this is it. This is the Holy Grail. So I would go in there weekly. I'm so sorry. University of Iowa Writers Workshop. Um, and I would gather stories and then take them home and devour them. Mm. And so I did my own little writer's workshop <laughs> interesting <laughs> of course i took creative writing classes while i was there and playwriting but i learned a lot from those manuscripts hmm. and but you know what the interesting thing was they were not very good but that was good for me to know that these were also people who 
their first drafts weren't diamonds. Yeah. You felt like you had seen that even people at a sometimes a higher level had to put in some work and some effort. They were fallible yeah. in some way. And the pedestal seemed, you know, approachable in some way. It did. It did. It gave me hope. And, and it's like, okay, you know, and they were obviously better than what I was writing, but they weren't like publishable, I don't think, in my opinion, mm. at that point. But they weren't supposed to be. They were early drafts. But, uh, you know, as my young mind, I was expecting them to be perfect, you know, these mm. stories. And they weren't. And so I was like, oh, okay, now I can see I have room to grow. And you don't have to be perfect to go to the next level. You just have to be willing to learn, I think, and, and putting it out there and being bold enough to put it out there. Because it's hard. It's hard to get mm. workshopped. It's hard. Yeah. You know, that people look at your things and get that red <laughs> pen, Mrs. Beach. <Beach. laughs> So um, when you were in, in school, then were you able to maintain any kind of writing uh, process or, or were you just still kind of out and about trying to experience as much as possible? Or did you feel like that was a lesson that came to you later, uh, one of consistency, one of just constantly writing? Much later. Like for those classes that I took, I wrote the stories like the night before, you know, <laughs> just like a typical college person. and. Um, but, you know, I still was learning in those classes, reading other people's and, and, and things like that. And, of course, the reading that they assigned was really good. The published stories that they assigned us were, were a study in themselves. Yeah. So, no, I kind of abandoned writing for a while after mm. school. You know, I wanted to apply for an MFA after I graduated, but I met the love of my life. Ah, and yes. And so... Um, <laughs> things went in different directions for a while and, you know, <laughs> writing just didn't matter anymore. So I, I did get married and uh, to a man who was in the air force. So I got to move out of Iowa, travel around oh, a little bit. Yeah. See the world some more. And you know what? I'm really glad I didn't do a lot of writing when I was younger because it wasn't going to be any good. It was just mm. sex fueled stories. <laughs> the the younger really perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and just like jealousies and, you know, it's just things laughable. I would be so embarrassed if they were published now. And my writing was just my style. It wasn't very good back then. So I'm really glad nothing was published early on. So, yeah, then I gathered, you know, life experience. So when do you feel like you can go back to writing? At what point do you make that decision? Or is it an organic thing that just starts happening way later on in life? Or when about does that happen? I think that. The itch started about 10 years later after graduating. I did have a daughter um, three years into our marriage. She um, has autism. Mm -hmm. And back then, there was just no support. She's 23 now. Mm -hmm. And um, that just railroaded me in a lot of ways. Um, and so just life turned upside down for me. Yeah. And so everything stopped you know, writing, reading, just everything. And my, my focus was on her and I'm glad, I'm glad for it. Um, but it was just it interrupted. And if people have things in their lives all the time, you know, it could be one thing or another, that, that just is my thing mm -hmm. that took my focus. So about 10 years later, um, life started evening out a little bit and I was getting the itch again. So, um, I did start, start writing. My husband bought me a laptop. They were so expensive back then. <laughs> just, I was just so mad at him, too. I'm like, I don't need this. I need pen and paper. I'm okay, you know. <laughs> but 
but I, he's very supportive and I, it was great but you know i'm still kind of mad about that <laughs> <laughs> and then i started writing but it was slow it was slow and um yeah but yeah. It, it's been picked up so when does when do you find flash fiction above anything else because i imagine that you were looking to do more long form or did you ever dabble in other mediums uh, before you you landed in flash fiction in particular um i've always written really short stories before i knew what they were um i don't think i've ever written a story over i want to say over a thousand words but maybe probably around the 1200 maybe 1500 word was the most i've ever written i just mm -hmm. didn't have any more to say <laughs> and it was harder in the earlier years like early like mid 2000s i didn't know what flash fiction was and i couldn't find a place i'd won a contest and there was a big brouhaha over it because some of the judges thought this wasn't a story it was mm. like maybe 500 words it was a story <laughs> you know but i guess they just didn't think it was long enough and i'm like well so that was a problem but i ended up the award gave me the award because there was a couple judges there that said yes this, this, this is a story just not traditional long story so i was coming up against some of that and then i was the self-doubt would come in i'm like oh this is people don't think this is a story mm. and so i tried to write long and it just never never worked and just finding venues at first was, was hard because internet was still kind of new and yeah. finding places that would would take it you know most of them's like well we take short stories between a thousand and whatever yeah you know like and 10 like, and 5 or something 10 and yeah yeah so i was just floundering for a while but then you know flash fiction took off yeah especially with the uh the internet i mean it, this was still kind of a ways a ways out before the online literary community felt like it was gelling and at least for me it feels like twitter and a lot of these social media platforms allowed for those avenues to kind of proliferate yeah. but what did you do before that happening because that that must have been what like eight years ago or something like that that we got the online lit community as it is now because i i don't yeah. remember it being like that before in this. um i joined like twitter in 2013 and that's when things really mm. picked up for me just finding okay. out about the community as you said so before that it was a bit of a floundering you know i happened to find some anthologies every once in a while like i think it was called sudden fiction there's that's, a few yeah, that's what they used to call it yeah anthology so that was like a oh, lifeline and i would study those as a bible and see who these writers were and where they were published and you know just felt like i was was out on my own and didn't have any connections i had a couple local writing groups that i was in but no one was writing what i was writing mm -hmm. so yes and then i had a friend um jason zweiker who told me to get on twitter and i was like no 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 you know as you can tell i'm <laughs> anti-technology because you know i'm like no i don't like i don't need that i don't need that i was already on facebook and not liking it so i was like no there's no twitter's different twitter's different Boy, it was different. Yes, I got connected with other people who loved what I was writing and I loved what they were writing. And um, like you said, the magazines, the submission calls, the, just the community, the sharing, the, tw the Twitter community until recently. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, it was the best thing that could happen to me as a writer, honestly. Mm -hmm. And at that point, were you uh, back in Iowa or were you still kind of uh, going uh, all over the place? That's really the year that I moved back. I moved back oh. in 2012. 
Okay. So um, everything was coming together for me. There is a period of deep exploration that just kind of takes you to where maybe you didn't think you would ever go. But then it's almost like you you end up longing for home base of some kind, for some kind of center. And uh, yeah. I feel like that sometimes you just got to go home. Yeah. So when do you feel like you start hit, hitting your rhythm as a writer in this process throughout, you know, throughout this experience? Can you remember a time when things started gelling in that way? Yes. Um, right before I moved here, I had written a story that I felt like I finally found my voice. And that was pivotal. Um, before, you know, you kind of, well, I say you, but I'm talking about me. Sure, sure. Im imitate for a number of years. You know, most writers, a lot of writers, mm -hmm. you just kind of read and imitate. And um, some people find their voice really early. But as I said, it took me a while. So I was, I was going to enter a, another contest. And um, deadline was looming. And I had what I really liked the story. This it was short story, flash fiction. But I felt like I had the scenes that I wanted. And then I've had some holes. And I was like, I got to fill, I got to fill these holes. Mm -hmm. And I was just up against the wall, just trying to figure out how to fill this, you know, connect these scenes. And then I don't know what happened. Just this epiphany. I'm like, you know what? I don't think I have to connect them. Mm. I think, I think these scenes can just work as a story together and, and you can make these leaps. Cause I was in the thinking that, you know, a story, cause I hadn't read a whole lot of flash fiction had to be A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way to Z. Mm. And I had maybe A and G and M, S and Q and Z. <laughs> and I had to figure out how to get the other letters. And then I'm like, but the deadline was like close. I'm like, I think I can just do this. I think this works. <laughs> so, um, and I won and it was, oh, and wow. my voice was there and it was just a wonderful time for me. It was like a, a boosting, like, okay, this is, I think, I think I know how I'm going to do this now. Mm. And if now reading a lot of flash, yes, it's, it's much experimentation and nonlinear and a lot of, you know, inference going on and implication and mm -hmm. yeah, I've learned that but that was the first time I did it on my own and didn't know what I was doing and landed on it so okay so speed up a couple years into where the Twitter community um, I found a writer named Kathy Fish and she's very famous in the flash fiction world um, I think I read a story of hers and that I really liked and then just dug a little deeper and she happened to be putting out a call for she was going to start like a class on flash fiction and she wanted to do like a practice class. So she goes, it's, it's for free. If you want to sign up, I'll do a practice class. So I signed up for that. And um, that was not only when the instruction was phenomenal and now she has, she's famous for her classes, but I met my core group of flash fiction cohorts in this class. So I made my connections in her class and we're still in touch today. And that was like, that might have been, I don't know, early, early teens, 2000 teens. And mm -hmm. so that was a good thing for me to have friends in the community, like actual people that I can talk to yeah. on a regular basis. Yeah. And, and we could exchange stories and, and opportunities. And so that's when things started taking off. Well, that's amazing. And it feels like everything goes hand in hand. You get the community support. They start inspiring you or giving you feedback and then immediately you get a, a bit of an engine to continue to be um, to be producing can you tell me 
where you felt your work was, if, if we could elaborate on that a little bit more and what was missing, what other pieces did you feel were missing in the way that you worked or saw the world? You know, even if it's something like process related, uh, is mm-hmm. there some things that you do now that make your work better that you didn't used to do before? You know, yeah, that's an excellent question. And I wish I had an excellent answer. <laughs> For me, this is me. I go in waves. I go up and down. I've noticed. At least I've written long enough to know that about myself. Mm. Like once I had that breakthrough story, I thought writing is going to be a piece of cake after that. <laughs> I got it. You know, I've unlocked it. No, you know, no. The next <laughs> stories after that were terrible, you know, terrible. So um, what I have learned about process for me is that every story is different. Every creative project is different. Mm -hmm. And I still try to put it into this box of this is how I want it to work. This is how I want it to come out. I want to be able to do a a story in a few days, you know, a draft, Mm -hmm. a full draft, and then come back and edit and then have a finished product and just keep it going like an assembly line. Some people might be able to do that. I. I'm not, and I have to tell myself this all the time that just to let it come organically on its own. I love deadlines. I don't always meet deadlines. I put deadlines on myself to help, but I don't always meet them. And I, you know, I, I, I still, okay, I won't say I used to, I still beat myself up, you know, when I miss a deadline for something that I want to do. But, you know, I can't put out something that I'm not proud of. I have to have a product that I'm proud of. Actually, I did force a story out just recently. This I just got an acceptance for it. And I'm not I'm not proud of it. And I almost feel it just mm. want to take it back. I see. There might have been something missing. You're like, no, not not yet. Not yet. Can you give me another yeah. another rewrite? <laughs> I should hold on to it. The ending's not right for me. Mm. And but you know there's there is this is the downside of Twitter and social media. You do feel the pressure to produce, yeah, to, to keep up, yeah, to you compare yourself a lot, and we all know we shouldn't, and we all know it's just unfair to ourselves. But I think it's just we can't help it, you it's, know. It's so human. I mean, I look in there, and every other line is, "I'm so happy that I finished this. I've been accepted to this." But I feel like maybe we should focus on sharing the difficulties, and which you know, I think depending on who you follow and depending on what the algorithm is telling you, maybe you can get some more of that. But I wanted to take a moment to talk a bit about your latest uh, collection. Uh, Thank you for sending that along so I could take a look at it. I really can't thank you for giving me these, this experience because it is, it is so uh, emotional in a, in a way. And one of the things that I appreciated about your collection, which is hush, 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 there is, it feels like you know how to pack a punch with what you have. Like you, you know that you're not stretching anything out. You're putting in as much as humanly possible, whether it's through character or dialogue or cadence, whatever it is. And I had a really wonderful time reading it. So I, I really want to thank you for letting me read that. It was great. Um, thank you. Can you tell me a bit about how this collection comes together for you? And, and, what is that process to assemble a work like this? Um, that is a lot of my work, like most of it. There's only a few stories that I've written, flash fictions that are in there. So I'm not a prolific writer. You know, I publish 
maybe two, one to two stories a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a little flurry there earlier, um, but you know, things have slowed down. So, uh, well, I had a child, another child, so that, but I picked out what I thought was kind of a theme in these. Uh, most of, most of my stories are written from a child's perspective. Um, I've got a couple that aren't, but maybe they're about children. And um, so I wanted that theme. I wanted the, the, the children theme and the hush, hush, hush. I noticed, you know, you don't really think about, there I go, you saying you, I never thought about myself as having themes as a writer, or I didn't see any connections really between them until I started thinking, I wonder if I have enough for a little chat book here. And then I started looking at it. I'm like, oh, you know what? I've got some deep, dark issues. <laughs> <laughs> and I could see that thread going through, you know, I'm like, oh, it's, I can't, there's some writer, some famous writer that says that we write as writers, we write the same story. We just yeah. write it over and over and over and over again. Right. And I'm like, oh, that's me. It's the same thing. Just written a little differently, different somehow come out a little different. But so then I thought, okay, these pretty, these link up pretty well together. And I noticed I used the word hush in a few of the stories. And one ends saying hush, hush, hush at the end. And I'm like, okay, you know what? That's kind of what my theme is. I think readers might see something else. Uh, I think readers always see something else. But as a writer, I was like, okay, I think I have these children that want to say things, that want to speak about these injustices, this, this emotional violence that's happening, and they just can't. They don't have a, a voice. They're not adults. They can't speak. So that was my unifying thing. So I, I think most people, when they put the collection together, look for things most of the time that, that have a theme that kind of connect. Right. The closing story that you had um, was really moving because there there was this idea of of faith and and um, if you could elaborate on that last story of the collection, which has a great name as well, and it's so long and beautiful that I can't I <laughs> can't think of it right now. You know what? Sometimes <laughs> I have to look it up too because I feel like I can't get it all right. Where's my copy of this? It, it's the one. Um, when, when the pregnant the, uh, girls first, when the pregnant girls first arrived at St. Eulalia's home for the lost and wayward. There, there oh, we go. Wonderful. What a great <laughs> title. I, I'm such a sucker for excellent titles that give us just a wide sense of what is happening, you know, right then and there. Um, but the origins of that one, um, you know, I wish there was just a wonderful story behind this, but, um, I was an editor at New Flash Fiction Review, and every December we did like an editor issue where we all wrote stories. That was tremendous pressure for me. And uh, we decided to use a, a photo. Um, there's a word for that. Ecrastic writing. Yeah. And so there was a black and white photo of a kid like on ice, like playing. But, you know, since it's a photograph, he was frozen in time. Mm. And I'm like, oh. I go, someone's going to write about a kid falling through the ice. I can't do that. You know, someone's going to write about, you know, parents ice fishing. You know, I was just like, I gotta get something <laughs> that someone else is not going to do. Cause we all had this picture. And so I really thought about it for too long. And first I started out with a, a father, son, and they'd go to this pond and he would just tell him a cautionary tale. I always get stuck in wanting to do cautionary tales. And, and like, I know we can't, we can't do that. <laughs> so um, 
then I don't know how it just came together. I'm like, oh, you know what? This is like a, I don't know. What if, it is kind of a cautionary tale in a way, but I, I don't know. I don't know how I landed on the whole pregnant girls at St. Eulalia's. Oh, but you know what? I've kind of, I'm a fan of Karen Russell short story writing. And now that I think about it, she has this story about these werewolves. St. Lucy's home for girls raised by wolves. Mm. That was probably running through my mind that I, I see. at the time. So it didn't, I didn't really mean to say as much as I did. This was totally just a struggle for me to write. And I didn't know mm. what I was saying. This was one of the hardest ones for me to write. Yeah. Um, I did something here in this story. And I also did it in the first story that this is kind of a trick I do when I'm stuck writing. I'm giving away. I'm giving away my gold here. All right, let's go. <laughs> I end a sentence with an image or a word, and then I'll start the next sentence with that image or word. Mm. And some people pick up on it and some people don't. I hope they don't, but if they do, it's okay. So like uh, when the pregnant girls first arrive at St. Eulalia's home for the lost and wayward, the nuns take them to see the frozen child, period. The frozen child, her feet locked in ice, her mouth wide and dark as an open grave, period. The grave is never satisfied, say the nuns. Neither is the barren room nor the eyes of man. Mm. And so it just keeps going like that. And that, when I'm stuck, is a, a great way to get me going. Yeah. And a lot of times it doesn't work. And I don't want to overdo it either, you know. But in this one, it was it was helping me to get unstuck because I had yeah. this deadline. I got to put a story in. And And then you know how it is sometimes when you just, you tap into the flow once you once you hit that and you open up and it, that's rare for me it's very rare but i finally i had a couple beta readers that were reading this as it was going and they're like i think this is gonna be good keep going keep going i'm like i can't, I can't. like running a marathon you know it's like this is as far as i can go yeah and so i stopped after the first paragraph and they're like no yeah it's all right i'm like okay i think there's more okay. mm. so um thank you beta readers but um, so I just kept going with that. And finally, I, it just all came together. It's just one of those magic moments yeah. in writing yeah. that are so rare. I think I've only had that happen one other time where it was just hard work, but uh -huh. somehow it just all magically falls in place. That's beautiful, though, because when that does happen, you it feels like a lot of elements that you've acquired over the years have just really decided to come out at the same time and have that kind of that kind of. Uh, you know, I don't want to say synergy, but it, it is like like these things are just kind of binding together and coming out at the right time. But do you ever look back at your work and start uncovering more themes that, you know, that maybe subconsciously were, were there? There was a, a lot of conversation in, in some of these works about nature, about our place in, in the world, it seemed like. At least that, that was some of the things that I that I took, maybe because of I don't know, being from a, a small town where you're surrounded by nature. And so like, that's sort of one of those things that I naturally go to when I'm reading something that sticks out to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think probably just living on a farm and I basically lived in the, in the woods, you know, as a kid in the eighties, I don't really ever consciously like put, you know, themes or things in there. They just kind of eke out and like that. I've never thought about that. You're, you're pointing that out to me for the first time. I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. That might be in there. That probably is in there. But yeah, I didn't consciously do that. So 
for my curiosity here. When you're when you finish a draft, how do you know that it's finished? I mean, we may know that yeah, it has some more work to do, but what feels like it like it's a, a completed draft when you're when you're working? Um I feel a, a good bit of it's done when I get the last line or last couple lines. And I usually get those before I've got the whole thing finished, fleshed mm. out. Mm. I feel really good. Like that's locked in there. When I get that, I'm like, okay, now I have a point where I'm running to, mm-hmm. you know, I can see the finish line. <laughs> so uh, then it just feels good. But if I don't get that line and sometimes it, some, I still have some works that it's just never showed up. And like this one, I said that I just, is getting published. It, oh, I'm <laughs> but usually, I get that last line, and it's just like a, there's actual a physical reaction I have. Mm. I do photography too, and I oh, do okay. like um, double exposure photography. And people ask me about that too, and I said there's just a, and I do a lot of like Snapseed work. You know, you can do color and do yeah. all fun stuff. And I said I know when that photograph is done when I have a visceral physical. Mm-hmm. jump inside of me it's like a jump i'm like oh that yeah. okay that's just the, that's just right it's done it's kind of the same way with the stories too i get that little when i get the last line i get that <gasps> you know <laughs> with that line you know if there's if there's no excitement for the writer there's no excitement for the reader uh-huh. so i have to get that excitement for myself like, okay that's it and then and then i can usually get the rest kind of tinkered out <laughs> wow that's wonderful i i think that to do a variety of different forms allows you to sharpen that muscle of intuition. Like, I think that we may study craft as much as humanly possible, but I think it kind of ultimately comes down to that feeling, right? That gun instinct that says, yes, no, a little bit more. Okay, step back, take a chill pill, you know, or keep going. Um, but a couple more questions to be mindful yeah. of your time here. Uh, but I, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. Can you describe the process of working on on a manuscript that is going to go into publication? Like how much work did you have to do after after this was accepted for publication? What was the relationship like with the editor and the editing process? That's a good question. It's always a mystery. Like this is my <laughs> first and only, you know, book published. So, you know, I had my thoughts of what was going to happen and it was lovely um allison blevins of small harbor publishing um yeah she what the neat thing was she really fell in love with my work and that's what i really stress that you find someone to publish who really loves your work as much as you do or more you Mm -hmm. know probably more than what you do um i I was so glad to have a connection with her because i had entered it in a couple contests and got some nibbles but it you know i was like okay well maybe maybe i don't know you know i set it aside (laughs) for a while and then dug it back out and then to have her respond so enthusiastically it was wonderful so she did um she liked the order that i had them in because i did think about that um doing you know what how what order i wanted them in and then she just did a line by line you know edit and mm-hmm. tighten some things up because some of these are old and i've learned some things i'm not that good at punctuation and grammar that's what i you know when i was at the university of iowa i should have paid attention but you know so she tightened things up that needed fixing and i wish more editors did that in like literary magazines i wish they did line edits mm. i like them 
even though I you said I hate the red pen, but I don't mind it in that form, you know. Yeah. Taking out the commas I put in. Um, and she also taught me about using ing words like gerunds. I don't know if it's so much. I think gerunds, you know, like nouns, skiing down the hill and things like that. She, it's her opinion, you know. And uh, at first, it was hard for me to uh, to listen to this, but she's like, you know, you can make it stronger <laughs> with, you know, just putting it in more present tense. And I'm like, but I had so many ing words in there. I was like, what? <laughs> so she, uh, I think I kept a couple, but she talked me into putting those more into present tense. And also, um, Hillary Leftwich, she has an editing service, and she looked this over before I submitted it, mm. and she gave me some some strong suggestions too. And so I, I took those to heart. And you know, you don't have to do it. Everything everyone says, you know, but when you when it gets down to it, after your feelings, you know. <laughs> hurt and you rebound and you're like okay you know where they're right but but there's some places i fought for i'm like no you know i really like this here and i'm going to keep it here because i like it you know and both hillary and and allison were fine you know if i love something you know leave it alone that's okay but so that was a neat process and i I did enjoy that back and forth may i ask what is on the horizon right now what are you looking to do uh in terms of the next creative endeavor that you have lined up well, actually, I feel like I have to hush this. <laughs> I want to go into playwriting. Yes. Playwriting. Let's go. Woo. <laughs> so I do have a project that I have started and I got the, the engine behind it. You know, like you said earlier, you just, oh, I'm just so excited about it. But I can't talk about it because I think I might have to get rights for it. I think it's about some real life people that lived. And so probably not my best choice for a first play <laughs> but it calls you and you gotta dive in it's amazing yes it, it may not see the light of day but i have to write it for me because it's just got me excited but oh. i'm still always gonna do flash and i always have i sit down and kind of go over my word documents and see what gives me the heat <laughs> for the day what what's calling me and so um i always have flash there um, and when i get stuck in the play i dabble with the flash or i go back and forth but the play i really want to i want to go back to playwriting that makes me very happy because playwriting is is the most rewarding thing. I love it so much. And it just brings me so much joy that there's somebody out there who is embarking on that, you know, whether it's the next project or a skit, whatever it is, that makes me tremendously happy. So I wish you the best on that. It's going to be great. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. I, I hope that I get to hear more about it when it gets out into the world, if it does. Or even, you know, no matter what happens, I'd love to chat with you about playwriting some more. <laughs> awesome. I'll, I'll take you up on that. Yeah. So uh, lastly, uh, two more, two more, and then I'll, I'll let you enjoy your Sunday. Um, what, what's something that is really uh, taking your breath away recently creatively, whether it's, uh, you know, a play or, or some writing or works that you're experiencing on TV or, you know, music, anything like that? Oh, goodness. So much. Um... Um, I just stumbled on this writer that I feel ashamed that I didn't know of her before. Her name's, I don't have her book right next to me, Leonora Carrington. And I just read a few of her stories. I ordered her book and she was, um, I believe a Mexican kind of surrealist painter, kind of back, maybe like in the Frida Kahlo, maybe in that era, maybe a little bit before, but she was a, a painter, a, and she also wrote, and her 
oh man, her stories are just like, they seem so relevant for today. It seems like something I would open up in a lit mag and read today. They're so bizarre, but so awesome at the same time. I really like bizarro stuff. I like it. And I, I read this short story um, by Lynn Mundell, Flash Fiction. And I think it was called, it was published at this great lit mag. I love this name, The Disappointed Housewife. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a recent publication. It was called, um, I think the centaur at the laundromat. Mm. That's something. right up my alley. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. So go to the disappointed housewife, Lynn Mundell, something about centaurs in the laundromat. But that's just my jam. Her, her, that story right there is just like perfect for me. Yeah. So that's, that's got me, that's got me going. And I'm rereading Shirley Jackson mm. and Flannery O'Connor, just going back to the old stuff that mm -hmm. I read a little bit of in college, but didn't do a deep dive. Now I'm like diving in. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Thank you for that recommendation. I am going to check that out immediately. Sounds wonderful. Uh, and lastly, this is something that I, I always ask people because I'm curious of it myself. Um, how do you, how do you quantify success as a writer, as a creative, as a creative soul, artistic soul in, in your day to day? Because I know, you know, as we've talked about, it's really hard to keep things going sometimes because there's life and other things happening. But uh, if there is, you know, something that you've thought about that makes it makes it easier. Um, you know, the bar keeps moving, unfortunately. I, I don't know if we're all like this. <laughs> I thought once I had a chat book out, that would be it for me. I could die and be happy. <laughs> <laughs> but now you know now i just want more and i want another chat book you know or i want to do a full-length collection or it just keeps moving i don't think i'm ever satisfied with myself and my, my husband gets so mad at me about it you know stop and enjoy this you know enjoy this moment <laughs> you get this thing out and i'm like you know what this is my old stuff I, i'm i'm on the new you know <laughs> and so uh he has to slow me down a lot so but i really if i I just look at myself in the mirror every day. As long as I'm still getting out at the keyboard or getting my notebook and, and doing something every day, I try to do it. That is success because I just, like you said, it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard to find time. And I think as long as I'm just still working and I'm going to be 50 next year and there's so much more I want to do. And, I get frustrated sometimes with what I haven't done yet, mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. like, Oh, I should have been really working harder at this, but you know, with age, you know, you, you, you start evaluating things and looking at things and being a little gentler with yourself if possible. And I'm like, you know what, as long as I keep at it, things are going to happen. Things are going to get written. Things are going to get published. Eventually things, it, it, it will happen. You know, as long as you just keep turning your wheels and that is success when you don't give up. Because there was times I have, and you know what? Every time I did, it didn't last long. Thank God. But <laughs> you know, something always usually happened right after that. Like I, that yeah. kept me going. Like someone would contact me. Oh, I liked your story. Da 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 da. I'm like, oh really? Oh, okay. I, maybe I should keep going. You know, <laughs> self doubt is awful, but just I think keep going. And I think if you have that passion, like you said, like your playwriting, it's just so special to you. Even if I just write for myself. 
which I try to do every story. I try to say, just write something I would want to read, something that gives me pleasure. Um, that's success, I think, too. Oh, that's a beautiful note to end on. That's a wonderful. And Audra, I can't thank you enough. I feel like we just scratched the surface. So hopefully we'll be able to chat a little bit more down the road. Uh, you know, once you get some more work out, happy to connect again. But I want to thank you for this wonderful work that you've written. Hush, Hush, Hush was a really moving collection that packs a punch as a chapbook is, is a really, really impressive thing. And uh, I want to thank you for your honesty and for sharing the darkness and how to contrast it with a beautiful way of living. So, uh, yeah, this has been Aww. such a pleasure. Oh, for me, too. This was an amazing experience to talk. I didn't think I could talk this long. I really was worried about it. <laughs> we never like, we never think we can. But, you know, something happens. Some magic happens. Yeah. The magic <laughs> happened. Thank you for bringing the magic. <laughs> I appreciate it. This was fun. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I will be in touch real soon, and I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. Wish you the best. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.